Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast. And what we are going to be doing here now, first and foremost, I'm your co-host, Filippo, and Pete Dalhit. We are with me. Pete, did I pronounce it right correctly? Yeah, pretty much. It's Pete Dalhit. There's a T in there. But yeah. So, everyone, we're going to do a series here in the podcast till the World Cup arrives. So, me and Pete were talking, and it seems like we're repeating ourselves a little bit too much when it comes to the U.S. men's national team. And we do a lot of that coverage on the YouTube channel. So what we're going to do here for the next eight weeks, which is roughly how far we are from the World Cup, we're going to do a preview episode for every single group in alphabetical order. So yes, we do know the alphabet, and we're obviously going to start with the letter A. Pete, but before we start that, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, man. I mean, it was a, we had a good weekend for Americans, but we obviously talk about that heavily on your Americans Abroad and then team of the week. It's good to see some of our key players starting to find form. McKinney, Pulisic, Dest, even Pepe. So that's good. And again, if you guys want to, you know, more about that, that's always available on our YouTube channels. And it's not like we're not going to cover any American stuff between now and Qatar on this podcast. We still will. But you'll see this even with YouTube. Our, as we get closer and closer to the World Cup, a lot of our content is going to be geared up towards that. You know, the greatest sporting event, honestly, in the world, bar none. And not just that, too. Next week, it's Group B. So... US yeah, next week is Group B. I'm looking forward to this, man. I mean, we've been doing a lot of studying over the last six months, even up, you know, up to a year on the different teams that are going to Qatar, and I'm I'm psyched to get into it, man. It's just I feel the World Cup in my bones. We're, we're eight weeks away from the World Cup, which is so exciting. You know what's crazy? Uh, before we start, just so you know, in past World Cups, I would know Brazil, know the U.S., know Germany, Mexico, know the the main teams, right? Maybe the top 14, 15. For the first time ever, I'm actually studying every single team possible to have as much information for our full coverage. I've never done this in my life. Uh, like I even looking up more of Qatar, which we're going to talk about that today because we're going to go through Group A. Uh, I don't know if you ever actually studied. <laughs> no, I mean, again, I would study like smaller teams as a coach. I was very interested in how they would find ways to like set up against big teams. So, yeah, I would study some, but not all 32 for sure. So but that's this year, yeah, 
this year, we're, we're going to know all 30. And just guys, to remind you, we're going to be covering not just the U.S. and Brazil and Germany in this World Cup. We're going to be covering a lot of games and we're going to know a lot of teams very, very well. So we're excited and we're looking forward to it. And hopefully y'all learn a thing or two about Group A today. Uh, not learn. I, well, learn is not the word. Is We'll provide you information about Group A today, the four teams. So why don't we just go right to it? Group A. Group A, a has Qatar, the host nation, right? Senegal, probably the best African nation in this tournament. Uh, maybe not the best all around. I, I still have some doubts in Senegal and Egypt, but Senegal might be the better side right now. And Egypt is not in the World Cup, so that doesn't really matter. Ecuador, a very exciting young team from Commonball, and Dustin's team. And we also have Netherlands. The Netherlands, yeah, the big one. <laughs> the legendary national team, right? Which when we get to the – well, the first team we're going to talk about is Netherlands, and we'll talk about their even their history a little bit in soccer. and Because uh, I think depending on how young someone is, they might not understand how that tiny country – it's a small country – uh, had so much influence in the game we see today even, right? Uh, Pep Guardiola and some other coaches, um, the Johan Cruyff era back in the 70s. But why don't we start with Netherlands? And I know before we talk a little bit about their history, uh, that they were very – even though they never win a world, won a World Cup, they've been very successful. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've seen from their current national team under Louis van Gaal, which he's back, the coach from 2014. Yeah. So the Dutch like to recycle coaches. They keep going back to old guys, you know, which we've seen that from them many, many times. It doesn't always work. Um, the Dutch used to produce really strong coaches all over the world. But now if you go look at the top five leagues, the Champions League teams, there's not really that many Dutch coaches around for them. And I can't see the Dutch hiring a non-Dutch coach. So Louis van Gaal is back. He's a bit of a dinosaur, I'll be honest, right, in terms of his style and how his teams play. But let's be honest, he's gotten this Dutch team playing pretty good. I've been very impressed with what I've seen from Holland under Louis van Gaal. So maybe he's adapting. Um, Holland, they typically play in a 3-4-1-2, right? That's how they play. And it's uh, people are saying, oh, it's now total football again because they had some clips going around, uh, you know, of them basically, you know, midfielders, good dropping back, playing as center backs, center backs like Nathan Ake just driving into midfield with the ball. I wouldn't go quite as far as saying that total football is back, but there's a real cohesion about this Dutch team. And if you look at past Dutch teams, there was a lot of individuals, a lot of stars. I mean, you know, go back to Arjen Robin, uh, Robin Van Persie, you know, so many guys that would be like stars within this team. Now you have a lot of very good players playing well and on the same page, but not really any stars. I mean, okay, let's just defenders, you know, Timber from Ajax, still 21, starts for them in their back three. Van Dyke, obviously everybody knows, you know, and then Nathan Ake. And then there's also Matthias De Ligt, who honestly probably might not start for them. He might be the first defender off the bench. You go into midfield, again, we're talking about a lot of very good players. Denzel Dumfries, who plays for AC Milan, Ryan Gaverberch and Davy Klassen, who played for Ajax, Cody Gakpo from PSV. Raven Birch from Bayern now. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. He's on Bayern now. Yeah. Ryan Raverberch is now on Bayern. But, like, again, they're very good players, but they don't, they don't really have, like, superstars that are huge names in the global game. You know what I mean? That are, like, the weight of production is going to be on their shoulders the way it is with, say, you know, Sadio Mane on Senegal, right? The Dutch don't have that. What they do have is a lot of very good, very technical players who are all very much on the same page. Which in the past they've had always – 
a lot of talented players uh, around superstars, right? You go back to 2014 when they even had Louis van Gaal. Uh, I've noticed that one player from 2014 is still around playing for the roster. He was one of van Gaal's favorite players because he's so versatile. Um, Blind, he's still there. Blind's playing for Ajax, right? He oh, Daily Blind, Man- yeah, yeah. Yeah, he played for Manchester United. He's still there with Louis van Gaal. But in the past, we've seen teams from the Dutch that had players like you mentioned, um, Wesley Snyder, Arjen Robin, Van Persie, so like world-class attacking midfielders and forwards and good players around them that could do it. It seems like it, it, this team is reversed. It seems like th- they're packed in talent in their back line. Their defense is very stacked. And then going forward, they have good players, right? You can talk about Memphis Depay, Veghorst plays for them. Gravenberch is a midfielder. But it looks like that reversed, right? This is a different Dutch team. And then it comes to... Do you think they're title contenders? Title contenders might be a step too far. But here's the thing about the World Cup, right? You're talking about a strong defenses win. Look at Italy. Look at Italy when they win the Euros, when they won the World Cup. Strong defenses win titles. So if they can build that foundation off a strong defense and they have enough quality and attack to score goals, which they do, then why not? I mean, looking at some of the contenders, they're not Argentina, Brazil, or even necessarily, you know, Germany or France, but I think they're like the next step below. They're definitely contenders, but they're not favorites. Uh, Probably above England. I would say probably above England. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think... One thing to consider in this team, too, is Louis van Gaal has experience in the World Cup, right? In 2014, he made it to the semifinals before they lost to Argentina in the, sem- in the semis. Um, probably Mexico fans remember that World Cup run, the, the penalty kick on Robin. He knows that, and he has experienced players around him, a strong defense, and he's probably going to try to exploit that. There were even rumors, and he was the coach, if anyone remembers this, in 2014, where for penalty shootouts, he changed the goalkeeper for penalty shootouts, uh, Louis van Gaal. And there were rumors that for this World Cup, he wants to bring four or five goalkeepers. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that rumor. I don't know how true it is, though. Yeah, I don't know what why he would need four to five goalkeepers. It sounds like a waste. But, but anyhow, again, going back to the Dutch, in the 70s, uh, more specifically in 1974, they sort of... They were already revolutionizing the game in Europe with Ajax. And then more famously, a player that everyone will know is Johan Cruyff. But obviously, there's many others we can talk about, like Neskins and many others from that era, the 70s. They revolutionized the game. For anyone who doesn't know, they introduced to the world in the World Cup total football. Obviously, Europe was already aware of that. And we found out that in the final when Germany knew how to stop. Well, not, not that they knew how to stop total football, but they stopped it. Germany won. They knocked out Brazil, Netherlands. They were fantastic throughout the World Cup. And they revolutionized the game since. It changed. Uh, if You might be able to help me here. Did they sort of create the offside trap? Was it with total football? Or am I going crazy? Honestly, I don't remember that. I, I haven't lived that long. Well, I, I mean, neither. I wasn't born then. But I, I think it was. But, but anyhow, Netherlands, I think we can probably agree that this is by far the strongest team in this group in terms of coaching defensive solidity and players that play in big leagues in terms of depth too obviously they don't have a player like Sadio Mane that Senegal has and I think that's a good time to transition to Senegal I think um 
or do you have anything else to add on to, to just the real quick i want to talk about a few key young players i mean there's brian broby the ix forward 20 years old can play on the wing too but mostly as a forward um he's the only really like strong candidate if you talk about like young players who could have a breakout world cup on this netherlands team urian timber's 21 i guess which is young for a center back Raven birch is 20 yeah, that's true. Gravenberch, I guess. I just think of him as already such a key player for them. I almost don't think of him as that young anymore. Um, but yeah, I guess Gravenberch, uh, Brian Broby, and you know Timber, Urian Timber. Those are the three to watch out for in terms of young players. Yeah, and not so young, but also not so old. Um, Cody Gakpo, right? Uh, we've heard that name linked to Leeds United. Um, he plays for PSV. So maybe a player not... He's a starter for them, for the Dutch. Yeah, he essentially is. He's 23. I don't really consider 23 young anymore. But, I mean, you know, young enough to be like a breakout young. He won't be eligible for young player of the tournament, I don't think. No, I was more giving it in reference to many people that Leeds tried to sign him, and maybe they'll try again. So keep an eye on that player because he will be starting in. Dutch forwards are usually exciting. And then you got also Malasia that plays for Man, Man United already. But Senegal. Senegal. Um one of those teams that for me it's it's it they're really going to be a hit or miss in my opinion yeah and this is one of the possibilities i think that'll happen one of them is they'll flop and get knocked down the group stage i think that's possible yeah um, for senegal or they could be one of the african nations to make the deepest run of all time make it a quarterfinals a maybe a semifinal depending on how the bracket helps them um no african might, team has ever made a semifinal quarterfinals never. i think Neither is Cameroon and Senegal, incidentally, at in 2002, who made the quarterfinal. Well, what about Ghana when Luis Suarez put his hand on the ball in 2010? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. All that right. So we did have a semifinal. No, no. That was quarterfinals. No, that was quarter. Yeah, that was quarter. Yeah. They never made it to semi, but that, that was the most recent one that they made it to the quarterfinals. It was Ghana and Luis Suarez put his hand on the ball, saved it. Got a red card. They missed the PK, and then Uruguay advanced on penalty shootouts, right? Yeah, penalty shootouts. Yeah, it was a penalty shootout. Yeah. So Senegal, they, they're a team that when you look at them, they have they have great players, but they have superstars, right? They have superstar power. Three, we can, three superstars. Why don't we start with the defense? They have on goal, their main goalkeeper is Edouard Mendy, the Chelsea yeah. goalkeeper, yeah. world-class goalkeeper. Kolubali, the Chelsea center back, amazing center back as well. When you keep moving on, they also have Abdul Diallo. Isn't he from Leipzig? Yeah, right Leipzig, yeah. Leipzig, center back for Leipzig. I don't know if I would call him a superstar, but a very good defender. A very good defender. Probably better than what we have nowadays, <laughs> to be quite Yes, honest. yes. Um, <laughs> and then if you look also the midfield, uh, and you're going to help me pronounce his name, it's Gay. Gay. Idrissa Gay. Yeah, Idrissa the, Gay the Everton, Everton midfielder. Idrissa Gay. And then when you keep going forward, you got Ismaila Saar from Watford, which... He might, he's not a superstar, but we've seen him in the Premier League. He's a very good player, very good in the championship, like amazing, one of the best in the championship, and a good Premier League player that could definitely play for better teams in England. And then obviously you have the main star, which is Sadio Mane, right? Yeah. Um, a world-class player. The, the best attacker in this group by far is Sadio Mane, a player that can yeah. get you a goal game in the World Cup. But I don't know. Do you think they're going to go through? I think it's very possible. I mean, the, the thing about this, it's not that they just have superstars and everybody else is playing at a low level. There's also Papa Gue, who's a very good midfielder for them. Czech Kuyate, who plays for Nottingham Forest, is another one to you know watch for. He's more of a defensive midfielder. His job is going to be pr protecting that back line 
Uh, Balo Toure, who hasn't played that much for AC Milan, but he's like their left back. In fact, he just scored for AC Milan on the weekend uh, in their 3-1 th win over Bologna. Or over Empoli, I'm sorry. Juve played Bologna. So they do have good players. There's Nicholas Jackson also. He's the young player to watch. Honestly, probably the only real young player to watch on Senegal. 21 years old. He's a winger for Villarreal. Uh, only has one goal and one assist this season, but he's 21. So there's something to like about this kid. Very speedy. From Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, he is one to watch. He just doesn't really play much for Tottenham, I don't think. But he plays for the national team. He's 20, maybe. Yeah, I guess. I guess. He does play for the national team. It's hard to know how good he's going to be. Like, is he going to have a breakout tournament? Because he really doesn't play that much for Tottenham. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing. So it's hard to say. I haven't seen enough of him to like, this guy could break out. But Nicholas Jackson could, I think. Mm -hmm. the, the winger for Villarreal. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Senegal. It's what what I was saying before. It's one of those hit or misses. Uh, you don't know. Uh, the like we talked about, African nations have so much talent, and a lot of the times we hype them before the World Cup, and we believe something special is going to happen. I remember a few years ago. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was 2010, uh, where Ivory Coast was the hyped one. They looked yeah. very good with Drogba and and Torre was there and many others. Yeah, and they found the group stage um it's happened uh, also 2006 ghana they were very good 2006 ghana and they lost to brazil two or three zero in the round of 16 so i i don't know what to say about this team i would expect them to go through i would expect them to possibly make it to the quarterfinals because if they pass in first or second they can beat any team in group b this senegal team england yeah. us wales iran I would expect them to fight for a quarterfinals, but this is one of the teams I wouldn't be surprised if they get knocked out in the group stage. Yeah, like I, it would not. I would not be surprised if they made a quarter or a semi. I also wouldn't be surprised if they got knocked out in the group stage, and also that just their, speaks to their current coach is Alio Cisse, right? Alio Cisse, former Liverpool player. People remember him from a long from time Senegal. ago. Yeah, he's Senegalese. They went local. Good for them. I mean, he's a good coach. Um, he, you know, obviously did well to get them to win the African. Uh, cup of nations so they are the current defending champions uh i like him i like him he used to play for liverpool a lot of people will remember him mm -hmm. um but yeah it's again with senegal it's a hit or miss it's sort of almost like you just don't know which senegal is going to show up because if the senegal that won african cup of nations shows up then yeah quarterfinal i'd say is realistic mm -hmm. um easily maybe even a semi although they could have a tough you know quarterfinal against like an Argentina or something too. So yeah. we'll see. But uh, yeah, like I said, Ecuador is a good young team. Holland is good. Qatar might get some advantageous decision-making. They might have the best player of them all. Yeah. They might be playing 12 men. Most of these games. Yeah. Imagine so, yeah playing, I can see. Wait, 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 let me correct you though. When you say 12, everyone's going to think you're saying that's going to be the crowd. No, not the crowd. Well, that's 13 players. If the crowd gets behind them. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the ref, if the ref is on your side, it's pretty much like you have Messi or better. It's like better than yeah. Messi. <laughs> so, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about Qatar soon. Uh, Senegal. Uh, so, guys, we're covering this group in the order of, I'd say, best team Chances to worst of team. emerging. <laughs> yeah, best team to worst team. We rank Netherlands as number one, Senegal is number two, Ecuador will be our number three, and Qatar will be our number four. This doesn't mean this is how we think it's going to go, and this doesn't mean this is how it's going to go. The World Cup is a crazy tournament. We talked about this. Expect the unexpected. Uh, it's the first time we're going to get to watch it mid-season, so we don't know how that will affect the players. 
less preparation time this time. So a lot of crazy things can happen. With that said, we need a quick word from today's sponsor. And that is DraftKings. And thank you, DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast. The NFL action is in full swing in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We are talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet $5 on any NFL team to win $200 in free bets if they do. That is, download now DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code TBPN. That is TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. If they lose, you don't get anything. I'm sorry about that. When you place a $5 bet in any football game, use the code TBPN and download DraftKings Sportsbook. Thank you, DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Okay, Pete, that's DraftKings right there. So next up, we have Ecuador, which, by the way, anyone listening to this, this is Dustin's national team right there and a team from Comebol that we follow closely. Yeah. How much do you know about Ecuador? Definitely not as much as you. A little bit, but I'll let you handle most of this. I know they're a very young team with a lot of emerging talent, I would call it. Yeah, so Ecuador, just to give everyone a a bit of a background, first things first, uh, it's a team that is comparable to the United States in terms of like how young they'll be. They'll be essentially almost as young as the United States and their best players are very young. And they have a mix of some veterans that are there that I personally don't think they're at the same talent level as these young guys that I'm about to mention. But what happened to Ecuador is when you look at Ecuadorian soccer as a whole, anyone that follows South American soccer will agree with this. They've improved so much in the club level, right? We just had Independiente del Valle win the Copa Sudamericana. If I'm not mistaken... It's the second time they win in like four years. They've been annoying to play in the Copa Libertadores and they're really developing better players. And I think Europe and Major League Soccer have noticed that and they know it's a cheap market. They can get players for a very low price and they've been investing in it. You see some Ecuadorian players in MLS that are doing very well. You see it in Europe. We'll talk about them very soon. What happened to Ecuador was in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, they had Jordi Cruyff as their coach. Did you know that? Yeah, and and yeah. and it was kind of messy. He was apparently Dustin knows this story better, but I remember at the time both of us talking about it. And he wasn't doing his job. He was getting paid and he didn't do anything the whole time, just getting paid yeah. for doing nothing. Eventually he resigned or got fired or something like that happened. Who cares? Doesn't matter. And they signed Gustavo Alfaro that coached Boca Juniors in Argentina. And the expectation wasn't that high. It was like, okay, let's see what Ecuador can do. They have some exciting young talent. And at the time, the young talent wasn't even very known or talked about. The first time I noticed Ecuador more was when Independiente del Valle defeated Flamengo 5-0. I was like, holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In Brazil. Uh, The game was in Ecuador. I believe it was in the altitude. But then Alfaro comes in, and they have this amazing campaign in South America qualifying fourth. Sorry, fourth or third right now? Fourth, I believe. Third. Oh, no, fourth. Yeah, the fifth fourth. is a playoff. Yeah, is- they qualified directly, and uh, the team looked good, man. They defeated Colombia 6-1 at one point, which was crazy to them. They weren't very known for beating Colombia, but they did that. But I think when you look at their talent, right, it, it's quite interesting. So they have – I want to talk about two players here that play for Antwerp, right? They're in the same team as um, Sam Vines. Sam Vines, yeah. Right? There's two players here. They're not the biggest talents of this team. We're going to get to the biggest talents very soon. But these two players that they have are Ant- Anthony Valencia, not Antonio, Anthony Valencia, which is a right winger. And they also have another young player that plays for Antwerp called William Paco. He's a center back, 20 years old. But I want to talk about their actual 
superstar young players, right? Which have potential, believe it or not. I, at one point, maybe not, maybe they're not better now or they are, but these are players that have the potential to be maybe world-class or at least elite. Some of them already are elite. One is Piero Incapié from Bayer Leverkusen. He's a center back, lefty center back, ball playing center back, extremely technical, can play as a left back, center back, very good Bundesliga center back already at age 20. Tall, great defender. The other one that I want to talk about, actually two that I want to talk about that play for Brighton in the Premier League. One is Jeremy Sarmiento, an attacking midfielder, great player, great player to watch out and probably will be impactful for Ecuador at age 20. But here's the best one of them all. Moises Caicedo from Brighton. And uh, honestly, yeah. any Premier League fan at this point has heard of Moises Caicedo. He is uh, honestly going to probably go to a big club in the EPL very soon. He's been one of the best box-to-box midfielders in the league. Very technical, covers a lot of ground. At times, reminds me a little bit of Conte with how much ground he covers. Perfect timing of tackles. Can pro- progress the ball forward with dribbling instead of distribution. His game is not really distribution. And he's a player that comes from that team that I've been talking about, Independiente del Valle. So he's a player that I, I've followed for a long time because he was even linked to Palmeiras. And a funny story about him is he was going to sign with Man United and they didn't want to pay like $3 million for him. And then Brighton paid like 5 or so. It was super cheap. And then now everyone wants him for like $50 million, $40 million, Moises Caicedo. He's definitely the player to watch. There's one player, Pete. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about? Well, just real quick, another of their center backs. I know you already talked about the the Bayer Leverkusen kid, but Jackson Perrazzo plays with Eric Palmer Brown at Troyes, and he's just 22 years old. He plays in the back three. I've seen a lot of him because I've been watching Eric Palmer Brown. So I see he's a very good defender as well and still just 22 years old. So another guy to watch from a defensive point of view. Yeah. Uh, they also have a lot of MLS guys or former MLS guys on this team. And I, I oh, see a lot of them on. Remember Gruezo from Augsburg? Yeah, from Aug- Carlos Gruezo is in Augsburg now. He was at FC Dallas for a while. Uh, they did sell him on. Diego Palacios, the left back, is at LAFC. Jose Cifuentes, also at LAFC. Mm-hmm. Javier Arriaga, the defender, he plays for Seattle Sounders. I don't think he'll start for them, no, considering some of the competition that they have. Um, so those guys, and then Alan Franco, he's now playing in, in Liga MX, but people remember him when he was the defender for Atlanta United. I'm not 100% sure both him and Ariaga are going to go in this roster, but they might. Um, Seba Mendes, too, from LAFC. Yeah, Seba Jackson Mendes. He's more, I mean, he plays more of a sub for LAFC, to be honest. Yeah. He's not a starter. He's not going to start for Ecuador either. But there was one more player that I was going to talk about as well that plays for Brighton as well. Uh, he's not that young, but he's also not old, which is Pervis Estupinan, a very high-level left wing back, left back. For Americans that don't know him, he was the one that broke Weston McKinney's foot. <laughs> That's um, how yep. many Americans might remember Pervis Estupinan. But that aside, he was with Villarreal and played a key role when they won the Europa League, beating Man United. He's in Brighton right now and playing very well. I would honestly rate him higher than Jedi Robinson, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Much better on the ball, yeah. better player. So this Ecuador team has a, a lot of interesting players, young players, and they might be, they would be one of the surprises to come out of this group. I would personally, I know Dustin might hate it, but I would personally love this if the United States and Ecuador faced each other in the, the round of 16 because, one, it's a beatable team for the United States. Two, yeah. it would be pretty cool to see the two youngest teams in this World Cup, that's Ecuador and the United States, clash in the first round, of the first knockout round. Yeah, that would be amazing. I would love to see that. <clears throat> they also have some old school players that some people might remember. Ener Valencia. Ener Valencia is not the one that played for Man United. He's the center no. forward. 
It's not no. Antonio Valencia. No. Antonio Valencia is not here anymore. Uh, I'm trying to remember if there's He's anyone. He's in Fenerbahce Alan... now, Enter Valencia. Yes, yes, he yeah. is. Alan Franco plays for Ecuador. Um, a lot of people might remember Alan Franco. He was playing yeah. for uh, Charlotte this season, early in the season. Yeah, he and was at Atlanta he... United before that. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then he went to Charlotte, and then now he's back in Argentina playing for Talleres. So that's another player that MLS fans might be familiar with. So it's it's a it's an interesting roster, and um, with some American influence, I would say, like Major League Soccer influence, helping develop Ecuador. Obviously, their best players are the ones. Their their best players to me are these two: Incapié and Moises Caicedo. I don't think that's close. These two yeah. are the ones that are top five league ready playing. One player I want to talk about briefly before we move on to Qatar because he's one of my favorite players not one of the best but he's one of my favorites Gonzalo Plata he's uh have you heard of him yeah so he was like at Sporting Lisbon he's kind of like he's he's the best way to define him is just like chaos right (laughs) defining Gonzalo Plata he's extremely talented but he's one of those players that catches fire and goes cold super easily you never know what you're going to get from him. He's playing for Real Valladolid in La Liga. He helped him get promoted, the team owned by Ronaldo Phenomenon. And Gonzalo Plata is one of those players that he could come in and drop a hat trick on the United States. Or he could come in and get a red card. That's literally Gonzalo Plata. It's a player that's very fun to watch as long as he doesn't play for your team. Did you mention Nilsson Angulo yet? I did not. Uh, not very familiar with him, to be quite honest. What do you have on him? He's the kid who plays for Anderlecht. He's a 19-year-old attacking midfielder. Um, honestly, hasn't gotten that many minutes yet for Underlecht, but from what I've heard, they rate him very, very highly over there. So we'll see what happens with him. I mean, he played in the you know Copa in Ecuador for a long time and then moved on to Underlecht. I don't know if he'll make the final roster, though, but somebody yeah, I, to watch for the future. I never really watched him play for Ecuador. He only played, I think, in the last two games, so... I didn't watch him in World Cup qualifying. At least I didn't see him in World Cup qualifying play for Ecuador. No, he wasn't there yet. He's only has three caps for Ecuador. And I don't know if he'll make that final 26-man roster just because he is so young and he's not getting that many minutes yet for Underlecht. Now, Ecuador, for this window, before you finish off the video with Qatar, they, they actually had the same schedule as us. They played just reversed. They played Saudi Arabia, then they played Japan, and they tied both teams 0-0. So they struggled to score... Uh, the man of the match against Japan was their goalkeeper, Schmidt, right? The American goalkeeper, American Japanese goalkeeper. And Ecuador played better. He got a goal. He got a PK, saved the PK. Uh, both games ended 0-0. So Ecuador tied Saudi Arabia and Japan. Last but not least, Pete, the host, our favorite national team in the Soroka, probably the team that the entire world is cheering against. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Because it's Qatar. And honestly, guys, if you remember Qatar from the Gold Cup, I'll tell you right now, they haven't changed much. They really haven't. I mean, they still play the same way. Essentially, it's a back five, right? When they don't have the ball, that becomes a back three in possession. Uh, They have the same coach, right? The Spanish guy. He is obviously still there, Felix Sanchez-Bas. This Qatar team in this last window, they lost 2-0 to Canada and they drew 2-2 with Chile, which is essentially the same. It's not the same Chile that we've seen in the past, right? This is a very, very poor Chile team. Where did they finish in CONMEBOL? qualifying six sixth place they almost yeah. made it almost made it but still not that good of a team no this qatar team all of those guys they play in the qatari league for al garafa for you know all these different big teams in the qatari league because there's money they have oil money they can afford to keep these guys the reason they stay 
is because the equivalent teams that they're good enough to play for in Europe, which is maybe Belgium or the second division of somewhere, maybe a few first division teams in like France, some of them could play, but they don't, they're not going to pay them that kind of money. They'll make more money by staying at home. They essentially have the same problem that Saudi Arabia has, which is, I mean, familiarity because a lot of them play together. So that's good, but they don't really challenge themselves outside of the Qatari league. So that's a big issue for this team. They'll probably start preparation like a month in advance. Yeah, they're going to be putting all their eggs in this. I mean, their key players are the same guys. Hassan Alhedos, who missed the penalty against Matt Turner in the Gold Cup semifinal. You remember That's him? That's their playmaker, right? The 10. Yeah, playmaker can also play on the wing. Akram Afif and then Almaz Ali. He's their captain and center forward. Yeah, they don't Afif. really have any young players that have emerged since then. It's essentially the same team. And Af- Afif and Ali up top were the two fast players they had that they try to activate in transition, right? Yeah. And then the other one that was somewhat dangerous during Gold Cup was Ahmed, their left wing back, right? Left yeah. Back. Essentially left back. They don't really play with wing backs, but he was dangerous. Outside of him, Al Hayados, Ali, and Afiv, most of the team is very bang average. Those guys are good players. Those yeah. four are good players. Everything else, they just kind of like sit back on that 5 3 2 formation. And somewhat, they, honestly, they somewhat play like Union Berlin. Yeah. They just play to those front two, but they don't go direct as much. Like it's not long balls over the top and then holding it up. They find out how it passes through McField. Yeah. I, I don't expect Qatar to advance unless the ref helps. Yeah. They're going to need help to advance. I can't see them getting out of this group. Otherwise, even if they bunker and try to counter both Holland and Senegal definitely have the quality to break them down on a bunker. You know, even Ecuador probably does too. So Mm -hmm. unless they get some major help, would they be then the first team to not get out of their group? The first host team? South to Africa in 2010. Oh, yeah, that's true. Second one now. So I, I predict a similar to South Africa sort of performance. In Mexico in 2026. In 2026. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't remember this. No, no, no. I'm just telling you what's going to, you know, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. By that, their under 20 team will be the, the team. Yeah, but everyone, don't forget qualify. to drop a review too. And Pete, any final thoughts before we wrap this No, up? just that. I mean, let us know if you like this, if you like hearing about, you know, World Cup content. It gives you a little bit of insight into, you know, when you watch a game at the World Cup, as let's say as an American or as anybody, you might not know a lot about Ecuador or, you know, Qatar. So these things hopefully will try to give you information. So at least you have a basic knowledge of, you know, how they play, what formation, strengths and weaknesses, key players, young players to watch. That's basically how we're going to cover the rest of these groups because we want to educate everybody so that by the time we're all in Qatar, we all kind of have a working knowledge of each team. Yeah, and then when you sit on, on like, you go get dinner with your family and they're talking a little about the World Cup, you can, like, show them that you're an expert. You know, see, I know the best player of Qatar. It's like, like how, exactly. the hell do you know? how do you know that? No one cares about Qatar, but you know. Or you if you meet a Qatari them. person on the street or on the bus or wherever, you can be like, oh, yeah, you know, Akram Afif. I really Great. like that guy. Yeah, now you know a little bit about the Netherlands. You know more about Senegal. You know more about Ecuador. And you know more about Qatar. Next week, Group B. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. And don't forget to drop a review. Thank you for listening. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. See ya.